0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the fan side of network. This is your host, Alex Pat, and today we have a very special guest. He's been on the show before. He's our editor, Jacob Meisner. He's joining the show, filling in for Adam this week, and we have some stuff to talk about regarding Chris Bryant. A certain arbitrary case has been finally ruled upon. How will that affect the Cubs' future and his? Well, we'll see, but we'll certainly talk about it. We also have some more fun things going on. We're just going to kind of let the show flow this week because, as Jacob said before we got started, this offseason hasn't given us a lot of material, so what are you going to do? Jacob Eisner, how you doing?
1: I am good, man. Thanks for having me back. It's been far too long, and I am excited to delve into this painfully slow um, anxiety inducing off season that we've enjoyed so
0: far. Yeah. I mean, you've summed it up pretty much right there, slow and anxiety inducing the anxiety coming from, are any of these core pieces going to be trade slow as in they're not doing much. Um, let's just dive right into probably the biggest news I would say is the Chris Bryan grievance has finally been ruled upon. You'd probably agree with myself and most people. No surprising that he lost the case. No,
1: I mean, throughout the industry, I mean, and anyone who had a, a good understanding of the, you know, the current agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association assumed Bryant would lose. Um, it's just, it, to me, that doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that it took until... You know, two thirds of the way through January handcuffed Theo Epstein for the last three months before we could come to a resolution on a case that was half a decade, half a decade old. That's just it's tough to see Um who knows what the offseason would have looked like if heading into the winter meetings, we knew that we had two years of Chris Bryant that could have completely changed how this offseason played out. Sure.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's uh, one of the biggest things that people are talking about is kind of the ripple effect of this whole thing. This past week, during the ruling, and I think what well, we heard about it early in the week, was it like Monday or Tuesday, something, sometime around there. It's been a long week. But in the meantime, we saw Nicholas Castellanos, our beloved Nicky Two Bags, get signed by the Cincinnati Reds. A team that has made by far the most impactful moves in this division. The Cincinnati Reds have gone out. They've gotten Mike Mustakas they've got Nicholas Castellanos. They're bringing up more and more of these prospects over the past year, and you you see these prospects and you think, well, this year they've really been groomed into something useful. Now that you add Castellanos, who can probably benefit offensively in that ballpark, and you bring in Mike Moustakis, a veteran like him, you're looking at a Reds team that could definitely compete. Now, am I going to just throw down and say they're going to be the runaway division winners like some people. No, I'm not, but it's definitely a big move for them, and you know what? I I, I get it was kind of harder to fit Castellanos, but he was so good with this team, I hated seeing him go.
1: Man, it's so tough. I actually, at the start of the offseason, told my best friend, if Castellanos comes back, I will buy us both big stick, Nick, custom jerseys right then and there, and I've never been sadder to not be able to spend money on someone besides myself he just he brought something that was missing whether it was the energy the hustle the enthusiasm the approach every day like it's opening day mentality I mean he just I, I, I can't remember another free agent in recent memory that came to the Cubs and just clicked and provided everything he was supposed to and then some in the way that Castellanos did last year
0: yeah, it really is, because, you know, I've said it on other shows, and I'll say it here, uh, probably another really big impact move they made at the trade deadline was a few years ago in their championship year, that was Aroldis Chapman. Now, Aroldis Chapman was obviously brought in to be the closer, but I can tell you tell you one thing, uh, Aroldis Chapman did not enjoy being a Cub like Nicholas Castellanos, I mean, not even close, right?
1: No, I mean he was traded here, and he had a chance to win a ring. So he went out and did his job. But um, yeah, I mean I, the 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 one image that that really really sticks with me, and and with a lot of Cubs fans, I'm sure, is that shot of Castellanos looking out over the railing in the home dugout after the last game at Wrigley this year, yeah. where you can see him just taking it all in, and you know just appreciating what it meant to play for a winning team for the first time in his career and, and, and a team with a fan base that's truly unique and unlike anything else that, that that's offered in major league baseball. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, yeah. It, it's tough to see. It's just, it's tough. It's hard to put it into words because he made so much sense from an emotional standpoint, from a defensive alignment standpoint and some other way, you know, okay, I get that he wasn't a
0: perfect fit,
1: but still what he brought to the table was just, it was energetic. And I thought he would have really thrived under David Ross.
0: I do too. I, I really do. And here's the thing. I think it would have been a little easier to handle. Had he gone to the Rangers because it's like, okay, it's the Rangers. He's in the AL West, whatever. You're going to be playing him 19 times a year. And I will guarantee you right now that at least once, he is going to hit a back-breaking home run against the Cubs. In fact, you know, I I, I see the next Cub killer, Nicholas Castellanos. I really do. Oh, you know he's going to hit like 440 and slug 700
1: against us. Why? Uh-huh. Because that's just how it works. You know that's how it's going to go.
0: Yep, 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 yep. I It's it's one of those things where you don't really need to dive into the analytics. You just kind of know it's going to happen. And I think Nicholas Castellanos... You know, like I mentioned he's going to fit very well with that Cincinnati team. I think he's going to thrive in that ballpark. But boy, when he's playing the Cubs, I don't think he'll have like, you know, hateful resentment. But I think he'll play at Wrigley Field saying, I wanted to be here. They didn't value me enough. So I'm going to make it hurt, you know?
1: So I think it goes a step farther than that. I think it is... I'm going to show you what you're missing. I'm going to mash in Cincinnati to the to the point where I exercise my opt out next off season and I'm going to make sure you know what you missed out on this year so you want me twice as bad next off season.
0: Oh, very interesting. And here's the thing, you look at the way that contract is structured and you see the opt outs it, it's not like football with like the guaranteed money, but it's almost kind of like it, Kind of, again, kind of. And this is assuming he plays really well and he thinks he could get more money. It's almost like when you see, uh, I'll make a Bears comparison. When we signed Mike Lennon, and believe me, I am not comparing the talent of Mike Lennon and Nicholas Castellanos, but he was signed to like what was flat a three-year deal, but the guaranteed money was in one year. So it was essentially a one-year deal. If Nicholas Castellanos mashes in Cincinnati this can be a one year deal type where he can opt out and get more money so that will be very interesting to see and it's it's hard for me to see castiano struggling in that ballpark frankly again you never know but it just seems like the perfect environment for a guy like Castellanos to hit in
1: i mean he thrives on on, on running the gaps and i mean he's he's going to do that there he's he could very well do what he failed to accomplish this year and be the first player in generations to have 60 doubles in a season. I mean, that's it, it, completely within the realm of possibility given his game and where he's going to play 81 of his
0: ball games. Sure. I mean, you go to Cincinnati and you think about not only the alleys great to hit in, but it's just nice to hit it out of that park. I mean, even more than just doubles, extra base hits in general, home runs, triples, doubles, it's going to be a haven for him. And frankly, I think he's gonna really take advantage of it early on. I don't see him getting off to a slow start. I could see him just going in there and pounding right away.
1: Oh, totally! Uh, I actually got to go to Great American Ballpark for the first time last summer, and mm-hmm. it, it's a great. I loved it. It was a great ballpark. I don't know why I expected it to be pretty underwhelming. Maybe it's because the Reds have been underwhelming for the majority of my life. But it's a nice ballpark. It's a hitter's paradise. The atmosphere there is good. It's going to be even better next year with the moves they've made and the excitement sure. that, that, that surrounds that fan base. And you, I mean, Castellanos is a player who feeds off that. He really thrives when he feels the fans behind him. So it'll be interesting. I don't know if I buy that they're going to win the division, um, but they are going to be leaps and bounds better than they have been in, in recent years.
0: Okay, so let's kind of look ahead to the Reds because I think that the Reds are worth talking about now, obviously. I think everybody does, especially considering you look at the rest of the division. What have the Cardinals done? Crickets.
1: I mean, if anything, they, like the Cubs, they lost Marcelo Zuna in an offense that already wasn't great. So, uh, I mean, They're going to put a lot of
0: pressure on that pitching.
1: I mean, the pitching's going to have to be spot on, and they're going to have to find a way to, to replace the production. And I, I don't see a guy like Puig fitting in the, in the culture there. I, I just It seems like a recipe for disaster. And as, besides Puig, I mean, the, the outfield bats are gone. Castellanos right. is the last big fish in this pond, and, and with him in Cincinnati, St. Louis is going to have to answer some tough questions now and to uh, how they're going to replace the production they got from Marcelo Zuna.
0: Right. I mean, you look at what they have. Paul Goldschmidt is obviously the big bat in that lineup. yadi Molina, he can still do something, but he's getting older. You'll have Dexter Fowler, who's clearly not who he was with the Cubs, but can still give you some production. And Matt Carpenter, who I think is the weirdest ball player. I mean, think about it. He is the weirdest position player in baseball. Like you you just You look at the numbers, and you just kind of scratch your head. You're like, how can a guy look bad and yet really, really good at the same time? That's Matt Carpenter. Yeah, how can he look
1: bad and hit 330? Like, you know, last year, obviously, he didn't perform to that standard, but he just... Yeah, I mean, I would I would 100% expect a bounce back from him, which will definitely help St. Louis, but... Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to put up enough runs to, to get the job done. But then again, last year, I thought on paper they didn't have enough to get the job done, and they won the division. So it shows what I know.
0: Yeah, right. And then you go to <laughs> Milwaukee. You go to Milwaukee, and I think it's fair to say they got worse, but... Milwaukee has just turned into that team that just, just does stuff. They, like You don't know how. They just do it. They find ways to do it.
1: The last two years, we've yeah. headed into spring training, and I have gone, they don't have the pitching. All they did was add bats. They're not going to say they, they can't win a division. And they made the postseason. So, again, they they clearly have a way of valuing their players that a lot of us don't understand or don't appreciate, maybe. And it's worked for them. It it definitely has worked for them. And when you've got a player like Christian Yelich, I mean, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities.
0: Well, I think part of it is just their coaching. I think the Brewers have some of the best coaching in baseball. I think that's a big part of it. Think about definitely.
1: it. I mean, definitely. Since since Craig Council came and, and took things over, it's been a different organization. I mean, I know we all like to, to joke about how Miller Park, or what is it now, American Family Insurance Park... Or
0: I still call it Miller Park. It's, I don't
1: care. It's Miller Park, just the same as, as Guaranteed Rate is the sell. Uh, but, yeah. I mean... It's a different place to play. We like to call it Wrigley North and all that goes with that, but it's not that way anymore. I've been to plenty Cubs-Brewers games in the last couple of years, and it is not the home game that it used to be for the Cubs.
0: No, I remember 2015, 2016, early 2017, the games up there in Milwaukee, they were sellout crowds. I'd say it was 30, 35,000 Cubs fans in the stands in those times. Heck, I remember going to Cubs Brewers games when I was a little kid. This was like mid two thousands. It was, it was still a home game for the Cubs at the time. And even the past few years, you still get a lot of Cubs fans there, but it's not the complete takeover. Like it once was. No,
1: Milwaukee is a great sports town. And mm-hmm. I think Chicagoans kind of sleep on that fact. And, and when you give them a, an on the field product, that's worth getting behind. They do it with the best of the fan bases in all of sports. So sure. again, I, I can't say I can't sit here today, you know, two weeks before camp breaks and say the Brewers don't have enough to win a division because I thought that for two years and they darn near did it both years. I mean, they, they played better than the Cubs have the last two years. So yeah. far be it for me to say they don't have what it takes when clearly, uh, if I'm saying that, then I need to look in the mirror at my own team.
0: Right. I mean, if it was just like they missed the postseason last year, you could have said, "Okay, 2018, everything came together at the right time for them. But it's happened two years in a row. Now, I don't think they could depend on a third year in a row of getting it all together in September. But again, I would be foolish to say they don't have a chance. Really, I think all four teams, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Reds and the Cardinals, have a chance to win the division or at least make the playoffs the only team that doesn't is the Pirates I mean that Pirates team looks miserable right now
1: I mean that Pirates team is going to be on the level of the the Miami Marlins next I mean Ben Charrington is going to get them where they need to go but it's as we know as we saw here on the north side it takes time it takes a lot of painful work and and a lot of patience on, on behalf of the organization of fans it's tough to see and I'm sure they'll be good again but uh, I sleep a little better every night knowing Jake Arrieta ruined the Pittsburgh Pirates
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely you know you know the thing about the Pirates is they had a great core and yet they refused to spend money or make trades or add to it they just rode with the same team didn't really address many big spots and that that ultimately shortened a potential window to like two years. And both those years, they got absolutely murdered in the wild card game on their own turf.
1: You know, what really just struck me about that is if you cut it right before you mentioned the wildcard games, you might be talking about the Chicago Cubs post World Series.
0: Yeah, the true. Cubs did
1: the same thing. They put all their eggs in this core's basket and now they're scrambling to figure out how to extend a window that if this roster was supplemented correctly and built the right way, would have ran through 2021. And I'm not the type to say, oh, Jason Hayward's an overpay or, you know, anything like that. No. Like, without Jason Hayward, we probably don't win a ring. At the end of the day, rings trump everything for me. Mm -hmm. Prospects, annual competitiveness, I don't care. You want a title, it's, you know, uh, as Cubs fans know, it's... For sure, not anything you could take for granted. Even if you have a great team, there have been great Cubs teams over the years that can't get the job done. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still happy. Cubs won a ring, that's great. But how the shortcomings of the roster and how it's built have been addressed since 2016 has been a very big concern.
0: Yeah, you know, Adam and I did an activity where we looked at uh, free agents that left And saying, okay, do we regret letting them go? Do we not? But that was just free agents. And most of them we said no, we thought it was reasonable. I think one of the biggest troubles is they failed to address a few essential areas and relied on the core. I don't know if you remember me writing this before the 2018 season. I really kind of wanted the Cubs to go get Lorenzo Cain for center field, but they put their eggs in the Almora basket. Now at the time I thought Almora was going to be pretty dang good. So I at least understood that and stood by that. But you know, I know this sounds silly and I'm not saying they would have won another world title, but I can't help but think where this team would have been the past two years if they had a Lorenzo Cain in center field and leading off.
1: Yeah. And, and and that's, that, that second part there is, is what really gets me. I mean, center field up until last year, Elmore was a very, very good center fielder. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, well, the things he does with a glove is, I mean, they're, out, they're outstanding. But in 2018, we're talking about Lorenzo Cain. The guy put up a 395 on-base percentage in 141 games. Yeah. Think about what that would have done to the Cubs order if you had a guy getting on base 40% of the time Ahead of Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwartz. I mean...
0: They run away with the
1: division. They would have won 105 games. You know, like, they would have blown everyone away. But instead, here we are. uh, Once again, we're heading into camp asking, who's going to be the leadoff man? I'm legitimately concerned it will be Anthony Rizzo out of a sheer lack of options. And it just... It's so frustrating because the problems at second base and in, in, in center field do a degree and the leadoff spot and, and even the bullpen. I mean, these have been issues that have been there and we're still talking about them. I feel like we could write the same articles every December and January and just change the names out and they'd be just as, as timely and just as accurate.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that we've done here at Cubby's Crib is really try to pump out different combinations, different ideas, and it's hard. It really is hard. Think about how much you can go through this lineup and say, well, okay, we can have him here, here, and here, but I don't want him batting leadoff. I don't want this guy batting leadoff. I mean, Rizzo has obviously been so good at leadoff, but if you have to rely on him being leading off the entire time, you don't want that. Nobody does. No, your,
1: your, your lineup gets much weaker if Anthony Rizzo's leading off, strictly because it's not as deep. I, I've never seen – he really just throws it back to yesteryear. You see him with two strikes, and it's not like he chokes up a half inch. He moves his hands up several inches, yeah. shortens his stroke, fights pitches off. It's just – it's something you don't see anymore. it's just such an old-school approach. Uh, Maybe Ben Zobrist, I guess, is the other guy who's who's good at that. But, you know, we shouldn't have to rely on our silver slugger first baseman to do that. He should not have to be that guy. I would rather Rizzo, bats third or fourth, shortens up, and with a couple guys on, decides to shorten up and just drops a ball on the left field. That's great. That's a perfect two-strike approach, drives and runs, everyone's happy. But we can't move him to the top of the order because then everything moves up. You're shortening the the depth in the lineup. And then at the bottom of the order, you know, even against lefties, you're relying on Jason Hayward and Albert Almora. And it's like, OK, that's that's not a winning recipe. It's just it doesn't make sense to, you know, it's like that fan of Cubs convention. My favorite quote from the weekend was, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, that's what we're doing. We are Mm -hmm. doing the same thing and talking about the same problems every offseason,
0: and nothing's changing. Leadoff man, bullpen, two things right there that are consistent problems. And I don't see really an immediate solution to leadoff here, if not Anthony Rizzo. I mean, think about it. Jason Hayward had a very nice year last year. But you know what? His numbers at leadoff were not very good. He started off pretty good hitting some home runs, but they went down. He was much better not in that spot. Okay? I think we have seen enough of the Kyle Schwarber experiment. We saw him thrive in another spot last year. Don't put him at leadoff again. He's a slugger. Just just don't. I think right now because he could take walks because he has a good eye at the plate. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd look at Ian Hap, but it's, I mean, the thing is you'll get walks from him, but will he be able to shorten up when he needs to and poke the ball around? Because we've seen Ian Hap take walks, have a long swing that will either drive the ball 500 feet or he'll completely miss it quite often.
1: Yeah. I, it, you know what kills me? I, like I said earlier, I'm not one to hate on Hayward. I have seen him, you know, it, it would be different if he struggled and then didn't do anything to to fix the issues. But he works as hard as anyone in the game to, to mm-hmm. fix the issues in his game. And if you take out that stretch where Joe put him in the leadoff spot last year, last season would have been the best offensive year of his career. Yeah, absolutely. But nobody, but nobody realizes that because for 37 games, we trotted him out. As the leadoff man, hoping and praying that, you know, even though it didn't look great and the results weren't great, that something would change and something would click, even though we knew that he wasn't comfortable in that spot and that it would be okay, And then you're you're trotting him out there against left handers against right handers, even though, you know, he can't hit lefties. I mean, the numbers tell you that this guy cannot hit southpaws, but instead of adjusting and platooning, You're trotting him out against there. He's getting just crushed by lefty pitching, and then you throw him in the leadoff spot where he struggles even more, and it just snowballed so quickly.
0: Right. Yeah, his numbers could have been all the more better if he wasn't put in that position for so long. You know, I was okay with trying it for maybe a week or so, but it went on way too long, way, way, way too long. And I know it's not an easy fix because you don't really have the ideal leadoff man. I think that have been... Zobrist was with the team all year you would have seen him a lot more in that role but you know obviously he wasn't and it doesn't sound like we will in the future either we don't really know what's going on with Ben yet but I my 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 guess is is that he's probably just going to end up retiring and if he doesn't retire would he even come back here would somebody else want to take him on I don't know but for right now we know we can't really rely on Ben Zobrist to be in that role Albert Almora no no, 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 that's not happening. As it, long as Chris Bryant is still in the Cubs uniform, I don't want him batting laid off. No way. Well, well
1: part, part of the problem with, or part of the reason why people have problems with Bryant is they point to his RBI totals and say, see, if he was a better player, he'd drive in more runs, which is, first off, just a completely antiquated way to evaluate offense. Like, that, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. Don't evaluate players that way. But it's because he's been batting second, for the last three years uh, behind a leadoff man who's been non-existent. Of course he doesn't uh-huh. have RBIs. The only yep. guys he would possibly drive in are pitchers or Albert Almora who's leading off or Jason Hayward, who's leading off. It's like, of course he doesn't drive in a hundred runs. There's not a hundred guys on base for him.
0: Exactly. You have the leadoff spot, which you said perfectly non-existent. And then before that you have the pitcher batting. So I mean, what does that tell you right there? I mean, it's. I feel like some of the people who are most vocal about not having a leadoff man are the same ones judging him by his RBIs. And you're right about the leadoff man, but if you're preaching about leadoff men, which is great, then don't give him crap about all the RBIs because he's in the two spot.
1: Absolutely, I would love to see a lineup, and and like we just said, I don't know how it works or how you build it. Maybe it is Ian Happ. I hope it's Ian Happ. I love Ian. I think he's a great guy. I think if we can have a switch hitter at the top of our lineup who shows the ability to work counts and draw walks, and my God, if he can ever just shorten up on fastballs up in the zone, I will be Uh the happiest man alive. You know, that changes everything because then you could, you know, against right handers, you could have Jason Hayward or someone like that hit second, or Kyle Schwarber hit second. And then if you have, You know, a two, three, four, five of, say, Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Baia, you know, that whole combination. That's a deep lineup. Any one of those guys, if you try and just float one in to start an inning, you could get ambushed. And, and, you know, hopefully Nico Horner comes up and and does some some things. I'm not completely writing off Daniel Descalso and like 99.99% of Cubs fans. I think the injury and him trying to play through it really hurt him last year. I think we're definitely going to get more than we got last year. Not that that's saying a whole lot, uh, but I think second base will be better this year. Uh, Addison Russell is rightfully off this roster for all kinds of reasons. Um, you know, we'll stick to just the on the field issues. He's been a terrible offensive player and his defense took a step backwards. So he's gone. It's going to give guys like Nico Horner a chance. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Ian Happett second a couple times. Uh, it's just it's maddening to try and put together the lineup because I think all of us are kind of in the Joe Madden mindset still of mix and match, depending on the day. And I don't know if we're going to see that with Rossi.
0: I think you'll see mix and match in more in the outfield than the infield Uh, because you, you signed Souza and he's a right fielder. And then you have Hayward. You got a righty lefty right there. I think you'll see platooning there. I think in center field, you'll see a combination of Happ and Hayward, and if Elmora ends up being on the MLB roster, and then out in left field, you have Schwarber in there facing righties, and it, when a lefty may be in there, maybe you throw an Ian Happ there, and then Hayward in center and Sousa on right, because Ian Happ, as you all know, is a switch hitter, so you, you might mix a match there, but on the infield... I feel like a lot of the guys are going to be more set on where they are. Not that they already haven't been, but I think you'll see less Bryant in the outfield. I think you'll see more of a stability in terms of where some of these guys bat. Hopefully. I mean, if Rizzo is going to be batting lead off at times, you won't see that there, but with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and, Wilson Contreras and when Victor Caratini plays, they'll kind of have their solidified spots so to speak with second base. Here's what about thing. Uh,
1: so, so so for me, second base, I don't know how I just forgot this name, but you know, I did. And for me, going into the season, it's got to be David Bodie. It has to be Bodie. He he I'm not betting on Descalso. like I said. I think he'll be better than he was last year, but I'm not betting on him. Uh as as pleasant a surprise as Nico was for us. Uh, I'm about the long game. If we're talking about extending a competitive, a competitive window past 2021, Nico Horner needs to be a part of that. And the guy hasn't seen a single pitch at AAA. So to start the year, he's going to Iowa. If he goes to Iowa and mashes, great, fine, bring him up. He's ready. Let's, let's move on. But in the meantime, I, I'm going David Bode. I think his bad offers the most upside, you know, He's not as great defensively at second base, but you're pairing him with Javi on one side and Rizzo on the other, two elite defenders. So that should cut down at least some of the defensive issues. Uh, But yeah, I'm a big David Bode guy. I think you gave him that contract. You got to you got to see if he can earn it.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring up David Bodie, too. And I feel like if what I said is going to be accurate, we're going to see less Bryant in outfield and more in the infield. Obviously, Bodie's going to a, need a place to play. If they want to play him more often, it would be second base, it, primarily. You wouldn't see him play much shortstop unless is out or whatever, but Javi's going to be playing every day as long as he's healthy. Yeah, with David Bodie... I just, I I don't want him playing every day. I think he's a good bench guy, but I think he will get his time there. Bringing back Daniel Descalso in the conversation, I definitely agree that the injury really hurt him last year and that a fully healthy Descalso will offer more. I just don't think that more is going to be all that much. I mean, it'll be better, but it won't be great. Um, so I just, I don't want to be relying on Daniel Descalso I'm not really convinced Hernan Perez is gonna make the roster unless he hits and Descalso continues to not hit in spring training. Because remember, Hernan Perez is a thing technically. There's been some talks, and I want to get your opinion on this. They brought up Scooter Jeanette as a possibility. Half a Cubs Twitter likes it. Half a Cubs Twitter hates it. I'm actually on the like it spectrum. Because I agree with you, I think Nico Horner needs to start in the minors. I just think it's best. And I'd like to get a solid veteran at second base. I mean, David Bodie, he's got 201 career games under his belt. And he's pretty streaky. The overall numbers are fine. 362 OBP, 257 batting average, an OPS of 785. Those are fine numbers. But Scooter Jeanette... Not a good defender, but don't let last year's injury-riddled season fool you. He only played 42 games last year. The dude has been a pretty solid bat. Not an on-base machine per se, but he can square up the ball. He's added some pop in his game. I mean, in Cincinnati, he slashed 298, 344, 493 in those three years he was there. Those are numbers I'd, I'd like to see come out of more spots in this lineup because we've had a lot of holes in some places, center field, second base and whatnot. I would be okay with giving him a shot because he's not going to be expensive. Not at all. You don't really have much to lose with him. And if he's fully healthy and playing like he has throughout his career, that's a pretty respectable bat right there. I don't know what your thought on that is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally down for, for giving Scooter a chance to, to win the second base job. I mean, from 2014 to 2018, so almost 700 games. I mean, he put up a 108 OPS plus, 330 on base percentage, and hit almost 290. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll take that any day of the week especially uh, like, out of the second
0: to- base position yeah right
1: it, i mean it was one of the weak, we were one of the weakest teams in terms of production from second base in all of baseball last year so yeah I, you can't bet on you can't evaluate a guy based on an, one injury riddled season two years ago he was an all-star mm-hmm. i mean it, that's not if he's healthy and he's 100% he's ready to go cubs definitely should give him a look he's he's still i mean what is he 30
0: Yeah, Yeah, he's not old.
1: He he turns 30 in May. So, and like you said, he's not going to be expensive. I mean, you might even be able to get him on a minor league deal at this point.
0: Yeah, I I think that might end up happening wherever he goes because he's obviously still unsigned. I, I know a lot of people get aggravated when they hear that name, but you know what? If he came to the Cubs and he produced, I'd be for it. I know there'd be a lot of juggling around, but I think you'd have to drop maybe a guy or two to to bring him aboard. I think the 40-man roster is at 41 right now, so they have some work to do there. But, you know, your 40-man roster right now has a couple of arms that nobody's really heard of and probably aren't going to make it. And, you know, do you drop Daniel Descalso? Do you just kind of say, sorry, Hernan Perez? But I don't think you do at this point. I think he's since he's a non-roster, he's on the 40-man roster, so he will have a shot. But... If you brought in Scooter Jeanette, you'd probably be betting more than not that he'd be making the roster unless he performs really poorly or isn't healthy, even if it's a minor league deal. Yes.
1: Yeah, so actually, Jesse Rogers, a few hours ago, um, tweeted out that the Cubs righty Travis Lakens was claimed off waivers by the Orioles. So right now, oh, they're there you go. 30, 39 on their 40 man. So. The Cubs could go out right now and sign Scooter Jeanette, and they have a roster spot, and they don't have to do anything else. The question, well, there you go. As, it, the question as it has been all offseason, uh, is, is the money there. And I don't care the reasons why it hasn't been there. I know Cap had a, had a report yesterday about how it wasn't owner-mandated. Fine. I don't care what the reason is. The money isn't available. It doesn't matter to me if it's Theo's long-term vision or Tom Ricketts pulling the strings on the purse. It doesn't matter to me. The money hasn't been there. So can we even afford a guy like Scooter Jeanette? What, what does his market look like? Does he have big league guaranteed money on the table from other clubs? I mean, those are all factors that we don't know yet. But, I mean, at this point in the offseason, you have to think he's starting to get a little bit anxious about finding uh, where he's going to be playing here in a couple weeks.
0: You know, if the Cubs approach him and they say, look, we could give you a minor league deal and he's getting no other real offers I think he would say, yeah, if I have a shot at a job, like a a direct shot at a job, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, even if it's just a one-year thing, like, hey, come, reestablish your value, help us win, and go get your contract next offseason. Because he's not going to get it now. I mean, coming off last year, he's not going to get anything real. But if if he comes to Chicago and he plays well and he puts up the numbers and he fixes the second base spot for, for the Cubs, at least to a degree, that's going to be attractive to other teams. And for the Cubs, they either contend, and he's a part of that. They don't contend, and by July they're selling. And if he's playing well, he's flipped to another contender. I mean, right. it, it, to me, it, there's a lot of upsides for him as a player to come to Chicago.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Because you look at the competition he has. I mentioned Hernan Perez, who's a non-roster invitee. I mentioned Daniel Descalso. I mentioned Nico Horner. I men- we mentioned David Bodie. Nico Horner, I think we could both agree. We don't know for sure, but I think my money now is that he's going to start in the minors. Daniel Descalzo, even if he is better, if Scooter Jeanette is looking all the more better at the plate, I think you would give it to Scooter Jeanette. And then with David Bode, th- that's kind of where it could get a little tricky because if you truly value David Bode and you want him to play, then he's going to need places to play. If your crowded outfield is continuing to be crowded then you can't really move chris bryant there as much unless something happens with ian Hap, god forbid or almora doesn't make the roster i mean there's so many different things that can happen but the way i see it is right now just talking about it you're probably thinking too much about who's going to play where in spring training with this kind of thing when you have guys like Descalso, perez yeah. And, you know, one of your prospects trying to try out for the second base spot, you can never have enough auditions. You know what I mean? You're in a spot where you want to audition people.
1: I mean, the the production at second base isn't going to get worse. It would be hard to do so. Um, right. So, like you said, I mean, let let guys have a I want to see more of that. I want to see guys who aren't heading into camp knowing their job is safe. I want to see that competition. I want to see these guys push one another because with how versatile the Cubs roster is, even if they're pushing one another for the starting second base job and, you know, say David Bodie doesn't get it, but he's been getting pushed and, and his teammates and, and the guys he's competing against are making him better in, in different regards. That helps the Cubs even if he's not your starting second baseman, that makes you a better team. And I think that we have lost a little bit of that fire and that competitive nature since winning the the World Series a few years ago.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. And
1: I I would love to see that that fire and passion and that competitive nature come back uh, this season. And I I 100 percent think it will, because I think if there's one word I would use, to describe the clubhouse that David Ross and his coaching staff are going to put together. It's going to be accountable.
0: Yeah. Adam and I talked about it the other week. We were saying how Joe Madden, it was pretty clear from some of the people talking at CubsCon. I'm sure. I mean, you heard it firsthand. It really sounded like things got a little too lax and look, I love Joe Madden. I love him to death. He'll always be a hero here, but They got too happy with what they did in 2016. I truly believe that. I don't believe that they just didn't want to win, that they've stopped trying. They just, they didn't have, I guess, I don't want to say motivation. I don't want to say hunger either because they always want to win, but. They didn't
1: have anything. They played like they didn't have anything to prove anymore.
0: There, perfect. Right on. Couldn't have said it better they were trying to take on the tallest task of any Cubs team the past century in 20 in 2016 after they won. It's almost like beating the top boss in a video game. You can go back and play the video game, but you're not playing it at your hardest because you've already beaten the boss. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're going around looking for the unlockable content and the collectibles on each mission, and you uh-huh. know, you're technically going through the same game, but your your focus is different, your attention is different. And in the same way that after you win a World Series for a franchise that hasn't won a championship in 108 years, maybe you're looking for that that gold glove or that silver slugger or that fielding Bible award or the batting title, or maybe maybe your focus has shifted a little bit and where you think like, Hey, we're good enough. Like it, we just have to get into the postseason. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what we do in the regular season, just get in and then we'll be fine. And I'm not saying that that's how the, the, the Cubs looked at it because I don't know. I wasn't in the clubhouse, but it just, something changed. And in 2017, we talked about the world series hangover till September. And then 2018, you lose to the Rockies. I was there for that game. It was brutal to watch. I mean, you lose to the Colorado Rockies in 13 innings. At
0: home. At
1: home at that. And it did. Oh, God, that was painful. And then last year, I mean, basically from the time that Derek Holland gave up that walk-off Grand Slam to Bryce Harper, I was like, well, all right. At least I know what I'm getting now.
0: Yeah, last year it was pretty obvious for a while that they weren't going to be either in the postseason or really have a shot. I think the closest they were was being in a wild card spot for a bit. And then just, yeah, you were leading the division at one point, but that was mid season. It was, it was getting towards the dog days and towards the end where you really started to slip away. And it wasn't like a 2004 where you slipped away in the final week it was just a continuous drop. And look, you started off, what was it, 2-7, and 2-8? and
1: eight? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they won on opening day. Yeah, they won on opening day, and then it just went downhill pretty quickly. It's just, even when they were in the lead for the division, I couldn't help but have their September fade from 2018 in the back of my mind. No, neither like, could I, yeah. Hey, a one- or two-game lead heading into September is not going to cut it. This team showed last year they are not built to close and i I hate i hate when baseball fans boil it down to those old school expressions of he just didn't have enough guts or they just aren't closers but this is one of those situations where i think it actually does apply because it's not about a lack of talent Uh, this this team has a ton of talent but you know once the season nears its end something seemed to change the last two years and i don't know if I mean, I, it undoubtedly had something to do with Madden being, you know, Madden and the Cubs parting ways because they clearly felt like something needed to change in the clubhouse. But they just didn't have that killer instinct that they have in the middle of the summer than June and July when, you know, it's a 120 Friday game and the Cardinals are in town and the weather's perfect and like baseball is all that Chicago cares about. By the end of the season, that, that atmosphere felt like a change because I felt like fans genuinely expected the Cubs to lose based on what we'd seen in the last couple of years.
0: You know, it's funny. Go back to 2017. We mentioned 2017 a minute ago. Go back to uh, like late August, September, when it was still a tight race with the Milwaukee Brewers but the Cubs had just taken the lead in the division after winning the world series. And then the year before that going to the NLCS with this team, I felt pretty dang good that they were going to finish it that season. I felt really good. Then after yeah. 20, 2018, it kind of changed that attitude. Like you said.
1: Yeah. I mean, 2017, the Cubs went 19 and nine. In September, when the pressure was at its highest, they stepped up and they handled their business. Then you look at 2018 and they went 16 and 12 in September, which, again, that's that's not terrible. I mean, it's not world beating, but it's not terrible. But then you look at last summer, they went 11 and 16 in the month of September.
0: Yeah. And
1: after. Not having a, a losing record in a month since early what was it 2015 I think under Madden mm-hmm. it might have been the first time ever under Madden they did it twice last year yeah they went yeah. 14 and 15 in June and 11 and 16 in September and in a division that it doesn't have the it's not the you know it's not the AL West if you look at the AL West the last couple of years there was the Houston Astros and then there was everybody else but that's not how the NL Central is built it's always no. that. 86 to 92 win division. And, you know, a, a good series or a bad series in the middle of the summer against a division rival can decide it. And, and the Cubs saw that last year. They, they didn't take care of business. They, I mean, they paid the price. The Cardinals and the Brewers took advantage of it. And, you know, here we are today, a new manager and hopefully a, uh, a new era that will ultimately, at least we all hope, will be as successful as the last.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things going into this season is how do we feel about tight games? Because a lot of close, brutal losses happen when you don't have a bullpen. Last year, we saw that bullpen crumble so many times. And a lot of close losses were because of that. How many awful losses did that bullpen hand us? Let's see. We had the Bryce Harper walk-off grand slam, like you mentioned. We had the Keston Hira walk-off home run. You remember that one?
1: Oh, yeah. Yalich and Hira back-to-back. That was great.
0: We had the Eugenio Suarez go-ahead shot in May. I was driving home from work when that happened, and I was – Hounding on my dashboard, screaming words I can't say on this show. And in between those words were the words, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
1: Yeah, and I, it just, oh, it's frustrating. Last year, I actually had i had to look it up because I there were so many that I mentally suppressed. I can't think about them because they were winnable games, and we did not do so. The Cubs were 19 and 27 in one-run games. But what's interesting is in blowouts. So the game was decided by five or more runs. They were 32 and 18. Yeah. So they either jumped on someone early and made them pay or they lost the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think about all those blowout losses that they had against. I'm trying to think who they, they got blown out by. Obviously it wasn't as much, but when they got blown out, the Cubs, boy did they get blown out like that one against the a's you remember that with john lester I like was, It was like his worst part of his career shot
1: as as wonderful as this was i was at that game it was great let me tell of you of course you were the of course uh, you were. the uh let's just say thankfully i was i was there with work and my ice cold beers were free that day so i made sure to get my money's worth
0: good very <sighs> good i would too but I, you, the whole point I'm trying to make here is you say, okay, look at all the blowout losses we've had. Well, I can name a few, but then you mention all the close gut-wrenching losses. Oh, you can just rattle off the list, like, boom, 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 like, easily.
1: Yeah, and that was the thing. Uh, back in 2016, in one-run games, like, it, you, the Cubs could be down 5-1 in the eighth, and you just – I, I can't, I've never felt this way about any team. You just felt like they were going to win and, yeah. and, and they did. That was the crazy thing. And they, they always pulled it out and you know, they just, but they just ambushed people all year that year. They, they, they had 42 blowout wins. So they beat teams by more than five runs, 42 times. They only lost 13. Yeah. Which is you, insane.
0: You know, what's funny about the 2018 team You think about how brutally that season ended. Obviously, you were there, you know. But, man, did that team have some of the most incredible wins? The Jason Hayward walk-off Grand Slam. The David David Bodie.
1: Bodie. It's one of my favorite things. My wife and I were watching that game, and we had been procrastinating on folding our laundry. I am especially prone at throwing it on the guest room bed and pretending like it doesn't exist or just living out of that... I just live out of that pile. No one sees that room. So what's the big deal? But right on finally decided, I was like, ugh, they're down. I'm tired. It's been a long few weeks. I'll turn it, I'll turn on the radio upstairs and we can fold laundry. So it all goes down and the bases are loaded. And I remember telling her how I was like, how crazy would it be if David Bodie hit a grand slam right now? We will never forget that we were in our room folding laundry. And the next pitch Bodie hit it out. And I I went nuts. But again, last year I don't I don't remember any of those. Minus uh, I went and had seats behind home plate for my birthday in May, and Chris Bryant hit a walk off on a cold, miserable night at Wrigley.
0: Oh, against the Marlins.
1: Uh, against the Marlins, yes, sir. And we had 1914 club seats that night, and my buddy and I the baseball diehards we are, no matter what the weather is, we can't go inside. We are going to see this thing through to its glorious or inglorious end. And his fiance and my wife were inside huddled, huddled in the warmth. And we, by God, we saw Chris Bryant deliver us from evil that night. But even that, I mean, that was an early May walk off. There wasn't those big moments where you look back two years later and think, wow, what a moment. And, you know, it's just that those are the little things that I know don't make or break a season necessarily, but there's been a difference since then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to think of all the walk-off wins we had last year because we had that one. We had a walk-off against Philly. I'm trying to remember because they were down by one. They came back and won. It was, it was a Baez walk-off single. That was also in, I think it was in May as well. It and was, then, then,
1: it was, oh, that was, um, that was early June. I remember early that. June,
0: yep. early June. Okay. Early June. So uh, last, last then, season,
1: last season they had, let's see, that was their first walk-off of the year in June. Then they won the tail end of a double header against the Dodgers on a walk-off.
0: Well, uh,
1: uh, and that was on June 19th. That's I I don't even
0: remember what how it was on a, th-
1: it was on a Tuesday which is weird um
0: would how they win that well, I don't even remember cuz I remember I remember Quintana beating them the Dodgers I remember um, bias hitting a game tying home run but I don't remember a walk off against the Dodgers
1: it was a single to right field by Albert Elmora Jr. in the bottom of the
0: 10th. I thought that was 2018. Maybe I'm getting my years mixed up. No,
1: apparently that was last year, according to baseball reference. I thought well, it was 2018 okay. as well. So here we are just shunning Albert Elmora Jr., who delivered us a walk-off last year, and we don't even appreciate it.
0: Well, one I also remember. Oh, there there were two more. There were two more I remember. Uh, one was the Hayward walk-off against the Marlins, where it looked like a harmless pop fly, but it somehow went out.
1: That was amazing.
0: And then the Kyle Schwarber walk-off home run against the Reds.
1: Yes, I was, I was there for that one as well, and that was amazing. It was great. Uh, oh, and apparently we walked off. Oh, hang on. Never mind. I'm in 2017 now. This is what happens. Oh, that's right, because last year they won uh, that Marlins series I went to. They won back-to-back games on walk-offs.
0: Yeah, one was the Hayward, one was the Bryant. Okay,
1: I think I had the wrong year pulled out. They had a lot of walk-offs last year, actually. They had one.
0: I don't had, remember yeah. a lot of those. And yeah. I remember games like crazy. Three, four, five.
1: But they lost a lot on walk-offs, too, to be fair. Six. Right. They lost more than they won. Let's put it that way. I yeah. think that's, what, that's why we don't remember the wins is because there were so many walk-off losses.
0: Like when I think of walk off wins from 2019, I think okay, the Hayward home run, the Bryant home run, the Schwarber home run. I, those are the three that really came to mind.
1: But but the, yeah, but when if if you told me talk about a walk off decision from the 2019 Cubs, I'm thinking about Yelich and Kira or Suarez like those are the things that come to mind or Harper because those were getting walked
0: off not walking mm, off right
1: correct those were just gut punches and the Cubs I felt like never really delivered those like what a a walk off back-to-back walk-offs against Miami well I would hope so
0: well they shouldn't have even been in that position in the first place you should be destroying Miami
1: Exactly. And I felt like those were the teams that we managed to walk off on where you just leave the ballpark even if you're at the game going well. I mean, at least we won, but you don't feel good about it because that's a very beatable ball club that if you are a team that wants to win a division or contend for a championship, those are the games you have to win.
0: Right. I mean, and you think about the walk off opponents just in general last year. We didn't walk off the Cardinals. We didn't walk off the Brewers. We didn't walk off uh, the Nationals last year. That was 2018. Uh, So you didn't walk off the defending or the eventual champs. You didn't walk off your two big division rivals. They never walked off the Pirates because they were winning like 18 to 2 all those games against the Pirates. Uh, You didn't walk. you only walked off the Reds once and the Reds are going to be much more of a rival this year than they were last year. You know, outside the walk-off against the Dodgers, you did not really walk off any notable opponents.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they scraped out wins against teams that they shouldn't have needed extra innings against, and, and that's right frustrating. Um,
0: the best you know. win I can think about last year was the game in Cincinnati where Bryant hit the go-ahead home run, and uh, Tom Brenneman was like, unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, any time Tom Brennan's upset is is worth remembering. Let's just call it what it is. But what's
0: what
1: what's frustrating is the Cubs were a sub 500 team against Cincinnati last year. So what are we going to do against them this year? They're an exponentially better team. That lineup is scary. And, you know, like we said, Nick Castellanos is going to hit 440 against us because that's just the way the world spins.
0: Look, I love John Lester to death, but let's face it—he's past his best days. And boy, I—I I could just see that Reds team when they face John Lester, just feasting off him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love Big John. I am a huge Big John guy. Best—I well, mean, who is agents, it? Best free agent signing not in Cubs history, in Chicago sports history. But,
0: wow, that's uh, a big proclamation.
1: You know he's got a ring to prove it. That's that's all that matters.
0: You know, in in Chicago sports history, really?
1: Chicago sports history. John Lester, best free agent.
0: Wow. I I put him in the top, but I wouldn't put him number one.
1: Without John Lester, the Cubs don't win a World Series. I don't even know if they win the division those two years.
0: I mean, he, probably not. He
1: did. He's the best free agent signing in Chicago sports history. Not just for what he did on the field, but he took an organization that didn't know how to win, and he showed them what winning looks like. And I don't know if you could put a value on that.
0: I I know. I I get that. But I think he's in the top three. Just number one? Mm, man.
1: So, saying that, I have no idea what to expect from him next year. He's got a lot of innings on that arm. I did see a couple photos that he posted. He looks like he slimmed down again, which is nice, because he looked like he'd Maybe put on some mid-30 weight last year.
0: Yeah, dad bod.
1: Dad bod for sure. And if you go out there and shove, I mean, I don't care. You could go look like Bartolo Colon. More power to you.
0: Exactly.
1: But but John wasn't quite as sharp last year. But I 100% knowing the type of man he is and just the type of individual he is, he will not want to put David Ross in awkward situations. So I have no doubt that he's heading into this ready to give it his all, what could be one last time.
0: would it be something if j- David Ross just put on manager's gear and caught uh, – or uh, catcher's gear and just caught for him, like, in between innings? You know, I, when that, he's warming up?
1: That would be fantastic. Give us all one more little taste of it.
0: The good times. The best of times. The, the, the true best. best of times. <laughs> It'll never
1: okay. – that, that's a little depressing that it will never get better than that for us. It can't. It's impossible. The Cubs could win 10 more titles in my lifetime, lifetime, and none of them will compare to 2016.
0: No, of course not. That was the one. That was the one. And we'll never have the one, at least in our lifetimes, unless we're like in our 80s and they haven't won one. But even so, even let's, so.
1: Let's, let's just hope we don't have a 70-year gap or a 60-year gap in between titles again. Let's, let's, let's leave that in the past
0: absolutely absolutely so before we conclude this show we have a few minutes left here i just want to go back to your take on john Lester being the best free agent signing of all time in chicago i want to know who you who your other guys are on that list
1: oh man (sighs) putting me on the spot here because i uh... have
0: my number one that's right above john lester
1: I mean, Marion Hosa's up there.
0: hes I think he's number one. I, I'd put Marion yeah. Hosa. Three yeah. championships, a future that's, Hall of Famer. That's
1: fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I get that. I'm obviously biased covering the Cubs for the last decade that, you know, what what John did was just – unreal for for the clubhouse and for the organization but yeah i mean i i can't argue with hosa i definitely can't argue with hosa because like you said three rings i mean anytime you're wearing more than one you uh you're making a statement
0: right and you know i i've i've made a lot of blackhawks references on this show because i think you can see the difference between a team being able to maintain a core and a scheme to win multiple titles versus one that we thought was going to, but hasn't quite now again, keep in mind baseball and hockey are two very different sports, but I think there's a lot of basic fundamentals that go along with maintaining a championship window. And part of it is just staying hungry. We saw the Cubs get real happy, real lax after that first title. Let me tell you, Joel Quenville was not satisfied with just sitting back and relaxing they that Blackhawks squad those years they were going to the conference finals and winning Stanley Cups they got hungrier as time went on it's that's
1: very important 100 percent and I think that's that's something that separates someone like Joe Madden from 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 Q um I'm actually really excited I haven't been to a Hawks game post Quenville and I'm actually going next week so um, it'll be different because the only Hawks games I've been to, I mean, they were in their peak, so that'll be, that'll be cool to go to next week, but yeah, huh? I mean, Hosa hosa's is definitely, I mean, he's a legend and there's no other, no other way that, no other way to put it. He's, he's a legend in, in this city and, and for what he's done for the Hawks.
0: And it just stinks how his career had to end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Deserved a better end, but, yeah. um, the, the ride was, was one of a kind
0: well worth it too. And you know, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I was at the game where Coach Quenville came back as the Panthers coach. Yeah. At the United I mean that was that was amazing, but what it showed me too about just Blackhawks fandom, it's still there. They may not be contending for Stanley Cups, but they're still loud, they're still standing and cheering at the United Center, so you'll have a good time next week, I guarantee it. And you're going to be interested by that new scoreboard if you haven't seen it yet at the United Center. It's yeah, something. It,
1: it, I'm I'm excited. We're going for a for a buddy's birthday, so it should uh, it should be a good time. And uh, I know we're we're wrapping up on one more Cubbies crib related note um, for those of you who follow all of us on Twitter. T- tomorrow marks the first day that Blaze is back full time from his second uh, surgery for brain cancer. And he Woo! is, uh, yes, it is very, very exciting. Uh, I told him that while I am perfectly capable of holding the ship down on my own, I, it's not the same without him. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, I think I'm going to chalk up the 2019 season to, you know, we just didn't have his good jujus going. And uh, right. this year is going to be different and uh, he's going to help bring the magic back.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I I think when Blaze is back full time, we're going to see just this skyrocket of awesome production. I mean, we've been rolling really well, but once Blaze comes back, you better look out because Cubby's crib is going to be all over the place.
1: Oh, yeah. He's, you know, he's everything he's gone through has given him a very unique perspective on everything and it keeps all of us grounded, motivated, and it gives us all some perspective that when we can't think of an article or we don't think there's anything to talk about, I mean, or we think we had a rough week and we can't write. I mean, everything he's gone through and persevered through has given us all a a definite new take. And uh, yeah, this year should be good. This is our, my ninth year and his sixth or seventh. So at this point we've outlasted Joe Madden.
0: Isn't that something when you took over, we didn't know what a world series was. We hadn't been to the playoffs in a number of years Boy, so nine years ago, so like what the 2011 I, season?
1: I came. I started when Theo took over.
0: Okay, so 2012, the 2012 uh, season. Right, I yeah, say.
1: yeah. Right. So basically, when when they brought him in, I had just just started, and uh, yeah. So I've been here from the beginning of the current regime, um, all the way through winning a World Series and everything that's changed since. From so.
0: so your first off season was uh when people were kind of hoping that we'd land either prince fielder or albert pujols
1: yep uh yeah yeah that was a thing that was definitely a thing back then that albert pujols would betray his cardinal allegiances and come to the north side and lead a new cubs dynasty and well you know as as great as the machine is future hall of famer I'm, i'm pretty happy with uh With big Riz I'm taking I'm taking Anthony
0: yeah I mean Albert Pujols hasn't been the same guy really since he left St. Louis because by the time he left St. Louis he was getting older and he had some injuries to his ankles so you know unfortunately for him the best days are behind him pretty much when he went to the Angels
1: yeah I mean still a class act guy yeah a tremendous player a definite first ballot hall of famer um, should
0: be unanimous frankly
1: should be but won't be because people are dumb
0: yeah right on right on well that's just gonna about to do it here on climbing the ivy jacob thank you so much for coming on it's always a pleasure having you we hope to have you again soon uh thanks again Really appreciate it. And just a reminder to all our listeners, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com, and you can check us all out on Twitter, check out the Facebook page, check out our show on iTunes, tell your friends, tell your family. We appreciate all that you do for us. Until next time, he's Jacob, I'm Alex, have a great night.